Hello, and welcome to the Sound Words Podcast, where it's our goal to help Christians love and live out God's Word. If you're listening to this episode on an audio platform, you can check this out on video on YouTube if you search Sound Words Ministries. We also encourage you to follow our channel to receive updates about the latest episodes. I'm Pastor Aaron Nicholson. I'm here with Pastor Jesse Randolph, and today we have my longtime friend, Pastor Adam Flaw from Wausau Bible Church. Welcome, Adam, to the Soundwords Podcast. Thank you, Aaron. It's a joy to be here. I'm glad you're here because we're talking about evangelism as a lifestyle. And I look up to you as an evangelist. I know you have a heart for people, you have a heart for the gospel, and it's clear in your ministry. So our first question for you, Adam, is uh, how are you saved and how has God guided you to become the associate pastor at Wausau Bible yeah. Church? I would love to answer that question. I grew up in a liberal Lutheran church. So it's a church that had completely abandoned the authority of Scripture. You know, they did not submit themselves to it. They did not view it as something that was reliable. But interestingly, they didn't completely abandon it altogether. You know, on Sunday morning, they'd hold it up and they might quote a verse from it and preach a 15-minute sermon that was kind of had something to do with the Scriptures. So what that meant is I actually did hear some truth. You know, so growing up... In that false church, I heard about Jesus. You know, I heard that he was a son of God. He was born of a virgin. I even remember hearing that he died for sin on a cross. You know, we, we talked about that at Easter, but they didn't tell us everything in the scriptures. They left out that absolutely critical piece about sin. They didn't talk about the things that they didn't like. So I never heard about sin. That never made any sense to me why Jesus had to die for sin. So that connection was never made. And it didn't happen until, was it 2008? I was at a university event on campus, and a person came up to me with a free sandwich and an invitation to Alpha Omega, so the college ministry of Indian Hills. And I came to that event that night, and I met a friendly person. He smiled a lot. He got my phone number. He invited me out to lunch the next day, and that was you. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember so that. So you took me, yeah. you were one of the very first contacts yeah. at this church. And it, I attended Alpha Omega for a few weeks, and then I did uh, start to attend Indian Hills. And I remember sitting there and listening to that man behind the pulpit, and I'm thinking, how long is he going to preach? <laughs> you know, I was used to 15-minute sermons yeah. in, that, in that church I grew up in. I had no idea what he was talking about. I was bored out of my mind. But God had a plan, and he had me continue to come back and come back. And you know what I heard about? Sin. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor Gill, from the scriptures, he was faithful to them. So he preached verse by verse, and he told me the truth. And my testimony, that is the first time in my life that I remember anyone actually telling me from the scriptures that I was a sinner. Personally, I was guilty before God. And without that truth... The message of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for my sins made no sense to me at all. It wasn't until that point that somebody from the Word showed me my sin. And it was an evening in the fall. I was in my apartment, and I understood the Spirit of God convicted me, mm -hmm. and I trusted in Christ. You know, I turned to Him. I recognized my sin and my need for a Savior, and God saved me. And everything changed. Everything changed. And I distinctly remember... One of the biggest changes was that I used to mock the Bible. It was foolish to me. And now it was the very words of life. You know, now I could actually understand it and read it. And that was thrilling to me. And what a blessing then to be in a church where the word was taught. 
So I had the Spirit of God. My, my mind was illuminated to the truth, and, and God had me planted right here where the Word was being given out three times on Sundays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. So there were so many opportunities to hear the Word taught. So that's how I came to faith. Mm-hmm. And then how did I come to the role at Wausau yeah. Bible Church? You know, that, that started in a lot of ways because God had me planted in a church that had a biblical philosophy of ministry. Early on, I was, I was being trained and taught that the ministry is done by every member of the body. Mm-hmm. You know, the ministry isn't just done by the man who's behind the pulpit. It's not just done by the pastors doing counseling, you know, in their offices. It's every single individual part of the body exercising their gifts. It's every individual part of the body speaking truth to one another, exhorting, admonishing, sharpening one another. So I was taught that immediately. So really, in a very real sense, I was in full-time ministry right after I got saved. Hmm. You know, that, that encouragement, that admonishment to build up the body, you know, speak the truth in love. So that was, that was my wife, Elizabeth. That was our life for years, just serving in the church, being a member of the body. You know, whatever opportunities people gave, just do it you know, serve. And I would say at some point there was an internal desire that started to grow, a desire for undivided focus on vocational ministry. You know, so as that conviction settled and with affirmation from elders and pastors and others, I pursued seminary and then I looked for a a position. And God connected us quickly, Wausau Bible Church, and it's been awesome up there. God has blessed that ministry. Praise God. What a transformation. That's, that's so, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Big Red Welcome because we're, we're about to embark in that here. We're, we're hopefully going to have that experience again where we share the gospel with someone. And I mean, you, you, had already asked, you were already asking questions by that point, I believe, but praise the Lord that the gospel really transforms lives um, from sinner to saint to pastor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, Adam, just to hear the story of a uh, a mocker holding a free sandwich <laughs> to now a, <laughs> yes. a pastor in a different state. I mean, that that is the work of the word in, a, in the life of a sinner. We've all experienced it. And anybody who's trusted in Christ has had a similar experience of some sort, right? right? We've gone from darkness to light. We've gone from slave to free. And it looks different ways for different uh, individuals, men or women. But just that, to hear that testimony of the Lord's grace in your life is such an encouragement. We hardly know each other. We've I think spent three seconds together having met each other uh, about a year ago now, but what a testimony. Thanks for sharing that. That's going to be an encouragement to our our audience. Now, I know the one thing I know about you kind of through word of mouth from our church is your heart for evangelism. And that's what we're going to be talking about primarily today is your heart for the lost, the ways the Lord has uh, equipped you and used you to share the gospel, to evangelize. So let's give our audience just some basic definitions and terms. Uh, what is evangelism and, and why do you, or why do we evangelize? Yes. You know, some basic terms, defining the terms that is so critical. You know, I think one of the reasons that there is a misplacement of the church's mission today is because we have blasted past what evangelism is. You know, what does that mean? When we're talking about evangelism, what, what exactly does that consist of? And it's interesting, that word, it comes from that Greek word for gospel, euangelion. And, you know, that's, that's a word for good news. You know, you could literally define evangelism as good newsing, you know, gospeling. What is it? That's sharing the gospel. You know, we don't, we don't want to miss that because 
evangelism isn't just having a good testimony. You know, evangelism isn't just doing good deeds for the lost. It isn't just loving your neighbor and being kind to them and scooping their sidewalk in the winter. That's what we do in Wisconsin because it snows so much. <laughs> you know, you could mow the lawn for somebody yeah. here in Nebraska. You know, those things are important, but they're not evangelism. You know, our testimonies are important, and that's worth emphasizing. You know, our, our reputation in the world does matter. You know, our behavior, our words, our lives are, you know, done in the sight of men. So we are to be known for our love. You know, as Christians, we should be manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. We should be patient and kind and loving and, and all these things. We should be loving the lost with a radical love, you know, the kind of unconditional love that Christ showed to us. But as powerful as that might be, it's not the power of God for salvation, right? So evangelism is sharing the gospel, and we've got to start there. That's incredibly helpful. So Taking it a step further, why do you, Adam, or why do we as Christians evangelize? Why do we evangelize? That's another one of those questions that I think is critical to not uh, move past, to make sure you get right. I think ultimately the reason that we evangelize is to glorify God. Mm. It's for the sake of his name. It's for God's glory. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, Paul tells the Corinthians that all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause a giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. You know, earlier in that chapter, Paul talks about how he's willing to die for Christ. And since he's willing to die, he's willing to keep speaking for Christ. And then that verse 15, that gives us the ultimate reason to be opening our mouths for Christ. It's so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. That's why Paul sacrificed his life. Mm. You know, that's why he took the gospel to the Gentiles. It was so that thanks would abound to the glory of God. You know, it was ultimately the glory of God that motivated him. And, and again, that's so important because if you miss that high purpose, say you had something less as a mission, as a purpose. Say it was more man-centered. Say the salvation of man was your ultimate goal. You know, I think it could be very easy to start to adjust your methods to achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to see people get in this church. I want to hear professions of faith. I want as many members as we can in this building. You know, it might take a little while to making statements like that, but I think if you have God as your goal and you keep focused on that, that's going to help to keep your mission and your method and your message biblical Mm -hmm. when it comes to evangelism. So I would say, you know, why do we evangelize? You have to start there. You know, it really has to ultimately be for the glory of God. So it's not about satisfying the felt needs of people, or it's not about pragmatism. It's not about, you know, personal agendas. You know, it is obedience. You know, that's a, that's a good reason. It is, I think love is a good motivation. You know, we should desire to see the lost come to faith. So love and obedience, good motivations, but ultimately that highest goal has got to be, has got to be the glory of God. So you know, when you're driven by that desire to honor God, to magnify his name, when you let that doctrine, that truth impact your thinking, it's going to drive your ministry. Mm. And it's really, it's going to determine your philosophy of ministry then. It's going to dictate your practice, you know, the decisions you make, how you actually do outreach. It's going to be controlled then by that ultimate goal of glorifying God. So I think you've, you've got to start there. I think that's the highest reason. Yeah, I appreciate that where you start. I've heard you also say uh, when you've taught on this, we are commanded and compelled 
Hmm. That's a helpful way to remember it of what you said, commanded, and, and we do it out of love. Um, we're commanded, you know, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, and we're compelled because we don't want to see people perish uh, for eternity. So we tell them the gospel so they can become saved. So thank you. And you highlighted too uh, some unbiblical ways or, or, or bad methods for evangelizing. Can you share some acceptable or biblical methods for evangelism? Yeah. You know, that's a good question. I think there's a lot of modern techniques and methods today, and I think you'd have a hard time finding those methods in the Bible. I've had people tell me that, you know, you've got to be friends with somebody long enough before they're ready Mm. to hear the gospel, or basically that it's it's not going to be effective until, you know, you've been friends long enough with them or something to that effect. Or I've been even told that it's a waste of your time to share the gospel with somebody before they're ready to hear it. Mm. Is that biblical? Mm. You know, is that what our doctrine tells us? You know, again, what is the power of God for salvation? You know, is it our winsome personality? Again, not to downplay our testimony and the significance and importance of loving the lost and being a light in the world, but the power of God is a gospel, right? That's why we have to start there. Evangelism is sharing the message, and that is where the power is. So what are some effective ways to do that? If your goal is to glorify God in evangelism— then your evangelism is effective any time that you manifest that fragrant aroma of Christ. Mm. Any time that the gospel goes out, that's pleasing to God, and I think that's successful, right? That is effective evangelism. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul writes, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place for a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing, to the one an aroma from death to death, to the other an aroma from life to life. You know, that fragrance of, of Christ kind of carries that Old Testament imagery of something that rises up and it's, mm-hmm. it's pleasing to God. You know, so think about that. Even when a person rejects, even when they reject the gospel message, even if they are perishing and heading to an eternal hell, if the knowledge of Christ was manifested, that was pleasing to God. That was not a waste of your time. You know, that was, that was worth it. So we must believe that. You know, again, we come back to doctrine. Do we actually believe that that is true? And if we do believe that, then we've got to let that doctrine then drive and determine our philosophy of evangelism and how we actually do it. You know, I can't make evangelism effective. You know, I don't have that power. I don't control that. And I think we ought to be thankful that we don't have that power, right? Because if we viewed that as our responsibility, we'd probably become like experts in coercing people, right? Mm-hmm. You know, back to the mission and the goal and the purpose, I think we would start to let that start to dictate what we do and how we do evangelism. So we ought to be thankful that God has given us this, this simple command, and He is the one that makes it effective in that sense. So I did want to start there, you know, because what we believe is the foundation to everything. You know, that's just a principle of, of Christianity. But as for specific methods, I do love organized evangelism type ministries like door to door or street evangelism, things like that. They are a wonderful way to spread the gospel. They equip saints to do evangelism and then they encourage others to do evangelism. It brings them before people. It gives reminders and encouragement and it helps just to educate and inform people. So all those are reasons that I really appreciate that. But a big but with uh, corporate things like that. It can be tempting for some to think, oh, wow, I'm so glad that we have 10 evangelists to go out and reach our city. You know, I'm, 
I didn't want to do that anyways. You know, I'm terrified to open my mouth for Christ. So I'm glad that we're, they're covering my evangelism responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that type of thinking could maybe creep into some, but is that biblical? No, I believe every individual has that ministry of reconciliation. You know, Jesus Christ's last command, make disciples. He gave that command to his followers. So if you're a follower of Christ, you have that command to make disciples. So every individual, and I think that's cool. I think that's exciting because, you know, every individual then they have different talents and different gifts, different neighborhoods, different contacts, different jobs, different families, different relationships, all these, all these different contexts in which they live their lives. They have the opportunity then to be a witness to those people. So I think that's what effective evangelism is. It's when every member in whatever context God has them is faithful to witness to the people that he brings to them. So, yeah, it's not just Monday nights when the door-to-door team goes out. It's day-to-day, Monday to Friday, when you're at work. It's when you get home from work, and you're loving your neighbor, and you're talking to him. You're mowing his lawn for him, whatever it is. You know, you're engaging with him. It's going to sporting events for your kids, whatever it is, all those different contexts. It's every single day, every individual member, part of the body, has opportunities that God gives them to witness to the lost people that he brings in to their life. So in my mind, that's effective evangelism is when every member snatches those opportunities. I think that is the, the way that a church ought to reach out and then trust God for the results. This is already incredibly helpful because you have the doctrinal pillars that you've given us, the glory of God, for instance. You've given us some practical insights about philosophy of evangelism or ways that maybe even those who aren't on the team, uh, so to speak, the evangelism team might um, feel like, oh, others are doing it for me. Can you take it now to the experiential? Because those who will be listening or watching, it's always a good teaching opportunity to, to, to share experiences with others. You know, yeah. I've shared uh, evangelism experiences, positive and negative, moments in which the Lord worked through the evangelism I've, I've done, but also major swings and misses <laughs> that I've taken in evangelism as a way to encourage and to teach others okay. about evangelism. So- do you have any personal experiences that you could share? One, two, three hundred, whatever you, you choose. <laughs> I have plenty of <laughs> swings and misses. Yeah. So yeah. let's, uh, yeah, I've got a couple that, that I think I could share. Several years ago, I was working on a project for Indian Hills. Uh, the project was to write a gospel tract. And that was an important project to me. I was very excited to do it, and I wanted to do a good job. So I gathered all the gospel tracts that I could find and gospel books, all these different things. And I started to read and I started to study and I started to pay attention to how, you know, each gospel tract laid out the gospel and what questions they asked. And I spent hours and hours just studying the word, just finding verses about the gospel. And I remember one day in particular that I was working on this project and I was actually down on campus and I had spent literally hours that day just with my nose in the word. And I was looking up every gospel verse I could, starting with sin. You know, what is sin? How does God define it? What is the penalty for sin? You know, wages of sin is death. Well, what did God do for us? He sent his son to die on the cross for that sin. And then he rose from the grave. So what must I do about it? I must believe in Christ, you know, trust in him. So I had spent all day long just studying those basic facts of the gospel. And in my mind, thinking about how I would lay them out. And my mind was absolutely saturated with gospel truths that day. I was immersed in the Word of God. I was absorbed in those glorious truths. And I remember that near the end of that day, I needed a break. So I decided to, to step up from my studies and go out and, 
and just take a walk across campus. And it was a normal day. It was sunny and warm. There are a lot of people outside. So people sitting on benches, people playing in the green space, people in the union, things like that. I was normal, except I wasn't normal that day. (laughs) As I was walking across campus, my mind was still in the heavenlies. My mind was still set on things above. And you know what happened that day? I opened my mouth and the gospel just came out. (laughs) And as I walked around campus and I saw people without any stumbling, without any fear, without any nervousness, without any anxiety, I opened my mouth and I just shared the gospel with whoever I saw, whoever I encountered. You know, I wasn't looking at people and being intimidated by them and what they might think about me. I was looking at people as eternal souls. Mm -hmm. And the word was driving in my actions. It was affecting my affections. I was not afraid of anybody that day. And I had good gospel conversation after gospel conversation. You know, I think back on that and a couple of things happen. I get convicted because I don't often live that way. <laughs> you know, that's the truth. Yeah. But I'm reminded of what it looked like for me when I was filled up with the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And I'm reminded there's so many verses that, that speak to that. You know, Jesus Christ prayed, sanctify them in the truth. You know, your Word is truth. You know, we need to have our minds renewed, right? How are we transformed? How are we conformed to the image of Christ? It's not by dwelling on the things of the world, right? It's by taking in the Word of God, right? By letting the Word of Christ richly dwell within us as we, as we dwell in those things that are true and honorable and good. You know, God can use that as the Spirit works to, to change our actions. So, you know, as I think about that experience, that was, a, that was a, an experience when I was filled with the truth and the Spirit of God used that truth to impact others, you know, and what did I do? I opened my mouth and the truth came out, <laughs> you know, so that, that's a, I guess, a positive example, but I've got some negative ones too. <laughs> you know, I, a lot of things happened on campus when I was uh, a new believer. And I remember another, another experience on campus and I think I was in the union and I needed to walk across campus for something. And I must've been feeling quite spiritual that day because I had made a decision. I'm going to share the gospel with somebody when I go on this walk across campus. So I walked out of the building, whichever building it was, and you'll never guess what happened. A man came up to me right after I walked out the door and asked me for help. You know, he needed direction somewhere. So just like Stephen, you know, Acts chapter 8, I was like, hey, this is great. Here's my opportunity. Here's the man. And he needed directions to a building on the other side of campus. And I pulled out a map in my wallet. This was in the old days. So I looked at it and I said, oh, we have about two blocks to walk together. So I'm thinking, okay, perfect. I've got all this time. I'm going to share the gospel with this man. So, so we started walking together and I noticed he was dressed quite well in a suit, had a smart haircut. He must've been like a visiting professor or something. He was older than I was. I started to get nervous and my heart started to race and my tongue started to get kind of a heavy and not very uh, mobile. And you know what I said to him? It's nice weather today, ain't it? That's all I got up. I didn't say a peep about Jesus Christ. I totally missed that opportunity. You know, I let, I guess, fear in that sense, what that man might think of me, just totally control my thinking. So in that case, I was not at all controlled by truth. I was controlled by, by my fears, and I didn't walk by the Spirit. That's very helpful. Both scenarios, I mean, are great to hear. You know, especially obviously the first one where you were saturated in the word of God and you opened your mouth and the word of God came out. And and that is the recipe for for being a good evangelist is know the word, know the gospel, be saturated in it. 
pray and and speak and uh, and God will direct the conversation and will ultimately be sovereign over the results. But and thank you for sharing too the the, the intimidating one because <laughs> we we all go through that mm-hmm. and um, learn from our mistakes, uh, Lord willing, and and be more bold in the future. Thank you so much, Adam. And thank you for your ministry, both here at the Hills when you're on staff and now in Wausau Bible Church. I have no doubt you're being a faithful evangelist there. Uh, You're even, I think, responsible for the evangelism ministry there as well. So praise God for you. Keep serving the Lord, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you for joining us this week on the Sound Words podcast. Uh, We encourage you to like this episode if it's helpful to you and share it with others on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Threads and YouTube. And uh, Pastor Jesse, do you have any other comments? Anything to add? No, just the final word goes to God in his word in 2 Timothy 1.13. Retain the standard of sound words, which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Awesome. Thanks for listening.